The Start On Demand. On demand. The Tyndall Market Liquor Mart has reopened with its new security entrance, and that was unveiled on the same day that the young woman who was attacked at that liquor store spoke to the media. Winnipeg's emergency department wait times have stabilized, according to the latest report from the Canadian Institute of Health Information. Some Winnipeggers at the Grey Cup shoved a Blue Bombers pin into the goalpost padding for extra luck at the Grey Cup. And we want to know if you have ever showroomed. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Friday. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, November 28th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back tomorrow. And before we do anything, Greg Mackling, before we talk about any, because there's a lot of important stuff we got to talk about every day yes. here on the start. But one of our listeners called us at about 5.30 this morning yes. to inform us that there is a television in yes. a flyer for Black Friday for Best Buy. Must be a huge deal. Like, is it almost free? Um, well, depending on what income bracket you're in. You, if you, depending on how much money you have, you might look at it and go, wow, that's almost free. Okay. It's a Samsung 98-inch 8K UHD HDR QLED smart TV. Built-in uh, vacuum cleaner? You would think for the price tag of $99,999.99. Come on! Let me see that. Yes. It's a $100,000 television. That's got to be an error. For a 98-inch 8K television? I don't know. $1,000 an inch. Yeah. Anyway, we just thought that was funny. Would you pay $1,000 per inch? If I had the money, I guess. Because remember when plasma TVs first came out, they were like $15,000. That's really a good point. When new technology is unveiled, it's always mega expensive. But Wow. So anyway, it's on their website. Like I didn't pull it off of some some sort of like a side website that right. was pointing to Best Buy. I went right to Best Buy's website and there it is. Okay, so if you know anything about televisions, can this possibly be right? 204-780-6868. So the 55-inch version of this TV is apparently $3,500. Okay. The 75-inch version is 6900 the 82-inch version is 7900 Why would the 98-inch version be $99,000? Do you think maybe somebody put the comma in the wrong spot? Could be. Is there a chance of that? It must be. It must be. Do, why don't we try and order it online and see if it'll go through <laughs> on your best buy credit card? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, that's uh, we just thought that was funny. If it's a typo or not. It's still fun. When you pull open the flyer and see that. <laughs> and then it translates onto the website. That's the double whammy, right? Yeah. So there's, there's more than one place where they're doing this. And I can only imagine if you don't take the newspaper on a daily basis... Your mailbox yesterday was overflowing with flyers. I think we had about seven pounds of flyers in the mailbox when I finally got home yesterday. Black Friday tomorrow uh, started in the States, but we are really embracing it here in Canada. It's a big deal right through to Cyber Monday. In fact, I already bought something online this morning, like at 4.30 this morning. Did you really? Yes. Oh, my God. There was a, a fireplace that Jackie and I have been waiting to to go on. Like a, It's like an entertainment unit mm-hmm. with a built-in fireplace just for some added heat in the basement. Oh, nice. And uh, the guy at Home Depot said, don't buy this one. As he says on Black, this is two weeks ago, Black Friday, we're going to have a killer deal. So I'm going through the, I'm going through the flyers this morning, (laughs) Home Depot, where's the Home Depot, where's the Home Depot? (laughs) And sure enough, there it was, bigger than the one we were looking at and about two thirds the price. So it's been ordered. I'm on Samsung's website looking at this very television. Yes. And they've got it listed at $59,000. Marked down from $99,000. So it's, it's the real deal. I guess so. 
I can't believe this is this is insane. Like I know technology is expensive, but you need wow. more money than God to buy that that TV. Yeah. Oh my word! That's that is. Thank you. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Uh, quirky stuff like that. So uh, please. Uh, Keep inundating us with messages and or uh, emails. GMAC at cjob.com, Brett at cjob.com. And at 6.45, we're going to talk about something also that has to do with shopping. And Drex was tweeting about this earlier, and he covered this on his show overnight. He asks on Twitter, at Drex, are you a showroomer? If you've ever gone to a local shop to check out a product and then buy it online or at a big box competitor, you are doing something called showrooming. So which Canadian retailers price match online stores? Have you ever showroomed, Greg? Not really, although um, I did suggest in Calgary on Monday we had a little bit of extra time in Lisa Dutton. I don't want to give away any secrets here, but I'm going to. I had a little bit of time to do some shopping, and she said, how do I get this stuff home? I said, well, just go whatever store you're in. If you find something, go on the company website, order it, Mm -hmm. and have it shipped to your house. And you don't have to worry about anything. So, well, then I don't get to save the PST because we're in Alberta. <laughs> I said, okay. So do you want to pay the extra fee and buy a new bag to put your purchases in or just have them shipped to your house? Okay. So I think the way to go is to have them shipped. Uh, but I certainly didn't say just find the item somewhere online. I said go to the retailer that you're in and order it online. And when, you know, Hudson Bay Home, they've closed all their stores and we got to know a a lot of the staff there. And uh, apparently that was the biggest issue was that they had whatever it was, 40,000 square feet or whatever the number was of retail space. And that's exactly what people were doing. And they felt that was that led to the ultimate desi- demise of that store is that people were showrooming and just going and looking and going, oh, yeah, I'll buy it online, get delivered to my house. And they were just using the bay as a, a living, breathing catalog, online experience for themselves. I have, I've done it once and it was, I felt bad about it because I, I bought this book at Chapters about dogs for my sister. It was this huge, like, uh, book full of, like, awesome pictures, like, taken by pro photographers catching dogs in action, like, uh, like, really, like a dog jumping in the air, but it's super crisp and clear. She loves dogs. She loves animals. And it was 65 bucks at Chapters, and then I just happened to look online, and I found it on, on uh, Amazon for 40 and I, I, I had to return it. I just couldn't... I couldn't say no to returning it and ordering it online because the I was t- cash was tight and I needed sure. the money, and uh, but I still felt bad. I felt guilty because I like to buy brick and mortar whenever possible. I agree with you. Hey, I don't talk a lot, so I just want to say this. That's your cup. It's your cup, Winnipeg. Thank you for all that you do. We love you. Coach Michael Shea at the rally at the Forks on Tuesday as he hands the mic back to Bob Irving there at the end. And in a moment, we're going to tell you about what seemingly was an impossible mission to plant some extra good luck for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers just before the Grey Cup. But before that, uh, you had an interesting visit with someone at Food Fair yesterday. Yes, Colleen. She used to be Colleen McCaffrey once upon a time. And the Blue Bomber cheerleaders were called the Bomberettes once a t- once upon a time. In fact, my cousin was a member of the Bomberettes. I think they were still called that when she did that in the 1980s. Okay. But Colleen was a member, 1952. Wow. Colleen is 85 years young. And she popped by Food Fair on Maryland to come and say hi to me. She knew that we were there yesterday. And she said, I have something to show you, but it's out in my car. So I carried her groceries for her out to her car, put them in her trunk. And of course, she has golf clubs in her trunk. I had a girl. I'm like, Colleen, you golf? She says, on the regular, I'm always golfing. It's my favorite, my favorite sport, my favorite pastime. And uh, then she hauls out this jacket. A uh, picture of which I'm pretty sure I sent you, Brett. Yep. I've had it up on my Twitter for about, nah, I would say about 15 hours now. Yep. It's garnered all sorts of interest. It's in amazing shape. 
And it was so fantastic to meet Colleen yesterday. She had called into Hal Anderson in the wake of the Blue Bomber Grey Cup victory. And, oh, my gosh, the story she has. And she is so energetic and just, I just love this woman. She's absolutely fantastic. So, Colleen, if you're listening this morning, thanks for popping by. You absolutely made my day in a week of extraordinary events in my life. This has been one, that was, meeting her yesterday was one of the highlights of this whole Grey Cup experience for me. So thanks again, Colleen. If you want to see the pictures, go to Greg's Twitter at GMACWPG or on Instagram as well, GMACWPG, and we'll endeavor to get that up on our 680CJOB Instagram as well. And by the way, Jeff Courier is going to be at Food Fair at 2285 Portage later this afternoon from 1 to 4 as they continue their 43rd anniversary sale. But now we want to tell you about another awesome story that relates to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Greg, you spotted this on Twitter Man named Ron Courchain at nineteen sixty nine Superbird. He he and was it his daughter? I think seemed to be his daughter. They were they they. It was like Mission Impossible, right? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 Should have added dun, some music dun, to this. Dun, 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 but dun. rather than us explain what happened, let's let Ron explain it because he posted a video of the entire saga <laughs> on his Twitter, and here's how it went. Our fans here at uh, McMahon Stadium Saturday before the game. Kaylee and I, and the plan is to try and take this 1990 Winnipeg Grey Cup pin and I was hoping to put it at center field under the turf, but I think there's way too much security, so I'm going to try and stick it in the goalpost padding on the Hamilton Tiger Cats side as an offering to the football powers that be to end our drought. So, at field level, I'm going to go see if we can get this done right now. Stick the pin in there and appease the football gods, and go Bombers. Okay, Cakes, you take a picture of me. Here it is in my hands. And I just uh, stuck it in right where my hand is in there. The pin is gone. Mission complete, Bomber Nation. As you can see now, the Tim Horton sponsors are buttoning it up so that pin is in. And uh, we're set for what's hopefully going to be a Grey Cup win because I've paid off the gods. Let's go blue. So before we continue, so the, he, he stuffed the pin right into the padding, and just after he did it, they came and wrapped right. the padding with the Tim Horton sponsorship banner. So that pin was in there. Right, so the upright, it yep. has the one standard in the middle, and then if you're a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, you're familiar with the crossbar <laughs> that goes across the top that holds up the uprights. <laughs> but that, there's a there's padding that wraps around the, the, the bottom of the goalpost, the standard, and so that's where he hid the pin. Uh, football players over the years have hid uh, newspapers in there, cell phones, <laughs> other things for touchdown celebrations. So this was uh, Ron's way of, as he said, appeasing the football gods. So here is after the game when they went to retrieve the pin. Bomber Nation, Kaylee and I got the pin back. Nadia went down on the field for us. That's Thomas Miles' girlfriend. And she retrieved it from behind the goalpost padding. The gods have been appeased. We have a great cup. 1990 pin gets traded in for a 2019 pin. Woo! Bomber Nation! <laughs> so if you want to see the full video, we have linked it to our 680CJOB Instagram story. We put a chunk of the video there with a link to the original tweet. We've also retweeted the video at 680CJOB if you want to see the whole thing. It's quite the story, and I love the effort and the dedication to this mission. One of the, I actually saw Thomas Miles' girlfriend on the field right after the game. Thomas Miles was the first Blue Bomber I spoke to, and uh, he was obviously so excited. Manitoba boy, uh, went to the University of Manitoba. And so this story, and it's not just now a Winnipeg story or a Canadian story, it, it's going across the, the World Wide Web and across Twitter. People are, are catching on to the story. What I don't understand is how Ron got on the field on Saturday. 
he must know somebody yeah. that got him past security yeah. because I was there on Saturday for the Keith Urban news conference and I had credentials and I had a hard time. I, I got checked three or four different times really? on my way onto the field. So good on Ron. And uh, also we want to give a shout out to all the fans in rural Manitoba. That's right. For our small town salute, we're going to revisit a conversation we had last week with someone who Hails from or from rural Manitoba, and we want to hear from you because a lot of people have been pointing out, hey, it's not just a victory for Winnipeg, it's a victory for Manitoba, and we know that too. It's Manitoba's team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back tomorrow. Drex was talking about this on the shift with Drex overnight. He asked the question, are you a showroomer? If you've ever gone to a local shop to check out a product and then buy it online or at a big box competitor, you are doing something called showrooming. And he wanted to know which Canadian retailers price match online stores. But we wanted to know if Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, or Jeff Forte have ever showroomed. So we welcome them into the fold. Jeff, why don't we start with you, Mr. Braun? I don't think I, uh, I don't think I ever have. No? No. I, I don't shop a whole lot either, but uh, it seems like a sketchy thing to do. You do um, shop online though, right? Yeah, if it's something I can't find locally, like the my grocery store stopped carrying the tea I like, so now I have to order it from Amazon, four <laughs> boxes at a time. <laughs> what kind of tea is that? Celestial seasonings, country peach passion. <laughs> country peach passion. They got five other flavors on the shelf, and they Safeway took out the one I like. I think you should oh, become I'm mad. A, I think you should become a local distributor for this tea. Yeah, no kidding, I want to yeah. try it. Yeah. A tea ty- tycoon. And, and this was about a year after Starbucks briefly stopped carrying their peach tranquility tea, which I also enjoyed. So I was just Who like, are you? I don't know. Everyone, I, I find a tea I like, and then this, this, so the, whatever corporation I buy it from realizes it is like, nah, we're not going to use that anymore. <laughs> oh, so this is a personal slate on you. I'm starting to feel like it is. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Clearly thing, me every day. <laughs> things are not peachy in the life of Jeff Braun. Clearly not. What about you, Jeff Forte? Me, um, like I've price matched against, you know, competitive competitive stores, but I haven't gone to store and then went online. I'm also like uh, a compulsive buyer. You know, I see something, I'm like, I want that and I'll buy it, you know? I'm bad when it comes to that. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? Uh, it didn't, wasn't there a, a branding message, I want that, by one of the big... Yeah, re- there, yeah. there was. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who, who did that, though? Yeah, I so, think you're so right. So the tea tycoon and now... Source? Yeah, and now, <laughs> yeah, the, the spokesman there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have a startling admission to make. I have never purchased anything online in my life. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those old fuddy-duddies. I believe in buying local, Agreed. and I believe in buying <laughs> off of uh, clients from the radio station. Right. So, and I, it, Unless there is an incredibly big margin uh, in terms of the price, uh, then I will always give the, uh, the, the hometown discount, if you will, to uh, those who, uh, who advertise with us. I think that was a big issue. How long ago was it that the Canadian dollar and the American dollar were on par for about a year, a year Yeah, and it a wasn't half? that long ago. I, yeah, yeah, I want to say a, like 2012, 2013, somewhere in that so area. So the retailers here were having a real challenge with that idea of people go online. Uh, big ticket items too and say, hey, I can get it in the States for this amount. Yeah, but I've got to pay extra freight to get it here. I know people, uh, a couple of my buddies that went and bought um, travel trailers down in the U.S. into Minnesota. Right. Uh, because they were saving like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars on a you know thirteen, fourteen thousand dollar trailer, so it's worth the effort to yeah. do. Yeah, that it. makes sense. But now with uh, with the change in the difference in the dollar, that you know re- retailers don't really have to worry about that. It, it sort of balances out. But I, I'm finding retailers are, are pretty good at you know if you have a proof and they have the same product, the major ones for sure will do their best to match. You know where they leave themselves vulnerable, I think though, guys, is where, you know, they say they're going to have this particular item on sale. You go in there and, oh yeah, we never received them. Right. You you just, as a (laughs) retailer, you leave yourself vulnerable to turning your your buying public over to online shopping. That's a really good point, Kelly. And uh, But there's still nothing like, like getting help from someone who's knowledgeable and knows what they're talking about. Especially when it comes to clothes. Like I was just next door at Hudson's Bay about, I don't know, five, six weeks ago. I needed a new coat. 
for fall. And I, I was very indecisive. I tried on seven different jackets. I actually took pictures of them all, too. And I came back to work and I got the opinions of a couple of our female colleagues. And then I went back and I narrowed it down to two. And then the guy who worked there, uh, he right, I narrowed it down to three. And I tried them all on. And he said, OK, raise your arms, do this, do that, turn this way. All right. So it fits great here. Oh, it's a little big here. So maybe try this size. And he he helped me pinpoint what size I needed, nice. which jackets looked best. And I couldn't have done that online. It would I just would have been rolling the dice. Yeah, no that's I, I don't I don't buy clothes online. I can't do that. I well, just don't trust it. Jackie will buy three or four things. Of the exact like sizes yeah. of the exact same and item, and then, the and then takes three back. Well, she's very loyal to Hudson Bay as well. So, and I've mentioned this a lot of times. I think the retailers that are going to be ultimately successful through this time are ones that nicely marry the yes. brick and mortar experience with the online experience and yeah. make it easy for you to bring things back, make you feel comfortable with the idea of ordering four pairs of shoes in 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 different sizes, trying them on at yeah. home, and then. You're returning them at the store, and they've got to be cognizant. Oh, yeah, I good. think that that's going to be a, be a successful model. I was going to ask, how do you send something back when it's online? It just seems like uh, such a pain. There are retailers as well, though, where you can order online, and if you do need to return it, you can return it to the store. Oh, 100%. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think well, the, those, those are the, the retailers. I yeah, think they, yeah. they're the ones that but are going to But you know what? I'm, I'm offended by what Brett said. Oh, oh, why? I am so Here offended. <laughs> Here we go. What did Incredibly I do? offended. What did I do? Oh, only went to the female colleagues. <laughs> what on. are we, chop liver? Yeah. Huh? Yes. My, my vote this is Brett's still ugly no matter what Jackie wears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Braun, my good friend, my old friend, co-host of the Couch Potatoes. Hey. <laughs> Jeff Braun's been telling you in the news, emergency wait times in Winnipeg hospitals have not increased since the city's healthcare overhaul. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but just want to very quickly mention, Greg, tons of feedback on showrooming. Yeah, and uh, in fact, I think the prominent or predominant text message we're getting is, I engage in reverse showrooming, where I shop or look for a product that I might like online and then I'll find a local retailer and go and take a look at it and purchase it there. I like that trend. Yeah. If that trend continues, uh, maybe we can uh, kickstart some uh, local businesses and, and get them uh, thinking a little bit differently as well. So keep your advice coming in terms of the shopping. It's a real sh- challenge right now, not only because it's the holiday season, but overall you have so many options, different ways to get your hands on the product. And, uh, you know, as you know, here at 680 CJOB, we like to promote promote local So, as mentioned, emergency wait times at Winnipeg hospitals have not increased since the big health care overhaul. That's according to a new report from the Canadian Institute for Health Information. 32 categories are compared across Canadian hospitals, and of that, Winnipeg sits at having 22 average or better than average indicators. It shows Winnipeg is ranking top in Canada for seeing Fewer patients have depressive moods in long-term care, such as care homes. Winnipeg Regional Health Authority also noted they rank the same as the Canadian average for hip fracture repair times, with 93.2% of patients treated in 48 hours. Our guest in studio is Krista Williams, Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Health Operations Officer with the WRHA. Krista, good morning to you. Good morning. Obviously, these are broad strokes when you start talking about uh, 32 different categories and to break them all down. We haven't done that yet. I'm guessing you've had a better opportunity to do so, Krista. So let me let us give you, first of all, an opportunity to brag about some of the things where Manitoba is doing really well. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess I want to start with talking about why this is so important, this information that Kai High released, because it talks about our overall performance And it allows WRHA to uh, benchmark and uh, compare ourselves to others across Canada. And it's really about quality improvement. So, yes, we're doing really good in some areas and we're very proud of the staff who have accomplished that. But it shows, obviously, areas of improvement. So those are areas that we could look at and and, uh, activities that we could do to, to improve the quality of care. A couple highlights, um, obviously, um, our wait time. So we've gone through some big changes in healing our health system since 2017. And what we're able to see is that we maintain the progress that we had achieved in those ED wait times. 
Um, obviously, um, uh, we strive to improve our wait times even further, and we have a bigger goal. We want to meet or exceed the Canadian average by 2021. Um, so we've still got work to do, but I'm really impressed with the work that we've done so far um, to try to improve our health system. Does this data include the changes? Uh, where, what's the cutoff for this data? Because I'm seeing Victoria Hospital, Seven Oaks, uh, Concordia included in this. Is, is this because they're including or combining uh, an emergency department with an urgent care department? So that's a really in, important uh, note. So uh, this is information from 2018-19. So when uh, the information was published uh, just today, um, uh, if you look at Victoria Hospital, that was the first full year of data that we have as an urgent care, and we saw some good progress there. But the data... Um, uh, for Seven Oaks and Concordia, uh, um, only as combined for them as an emergency department. So next year, obviously, we'll be able to look at the information again that Kai High releases and look at the performance of those two sites as urgent cares. Where are some of the areas that we still need to work on? Right. Uh, a good question. Um, so I think there's some areas uh, that we've already actually started working on. So this information, we, we monitor this every single year. Um, and something called hospital standardized mortality ratio. So um, some people are sick in the hospital, they're admitted, um, sometimes they deteriorate um, and they become sicker. And, uh, and and unfortunately pass away. So what we want to do, we've put in a system in place uh, called uh, NEWS. It's a national early warning system, and that helps uh, our staff. It's a tool that helps our staff identify um, people when they might uh, become sicker in the hospital to respond quickly and escalate and get the care that they need to prevent any kind of outcome from happening. This is something that's struggled with across Canada, not just in Canada, actually around the world. So it's, it's a key area that we want to do better in. And we've got an initiative that we've implemented and we're going to be monitoring that closely. And hopefully uh, with all the efforts that are being put into this, that we will see an improvement uh, next year. We've improved it from previous years, but there's still room to, to do more. You can change all the signs you want from emergency room to urgent care center. You could build the biggest emergency department in the world. If you don't have staff, if you don't have practitioners to take care of people that need the help, you've got nothing. So talk about the changes that practitioners, nurses in particular, have had to go through and understand you're even struggling with some openings right now. So uh, maybe just walk us through that, those challenges, and how you, you plan to, uh, to alleviate that. At the heart of everything that we do in Winnipeg Regional Health Authority, it's our people that do that work. So they're at the front line, our nurses, our health care aides, uh, our allied health people, our, our physicians. So they are critical because they're at the front line delivering the service. And we have a responsibility to provide a good environment and the processes and the structure to be able to help them do the best work that they can. Through this change and transformation, we've talked about the need for change for many years. Um, it was big for the staff. We've seen, uh, I've talked to nurses just recently that had never worked in an area before, um, never worked with the team before. So even those types of things are unsettling to people. Um, but now the biggest changes have occurred. We can start stabilizing, and that's our focus. Um, the other thing is, is that we have had some vacancies. Um, so with big change and stuff, um, that has impacted us. Um, but since the summer, we've been actively working on aggressively recruiting and we've made some really good Im improvements in in uh, vacancies. Um, and obviously that's important about the stability of our workforce. So uh, we will continue to do that because we're not where we want to be. I want to have a vacancy of less than 10% for nursing. That's really important to me. And I believe that we will get there. Uh, we're slightly above, above that right now, but we've got room. We've heard from the unions that it's been super stressful. And so um, I was asking you off air if maybe we're on the other side of the mountain, so to speak. We're on the descent now. But one concern that I've had, and this is an overall sense, in the last couple of years, I've started to hear people about wanting to and thinking and contemplating moving to British Columbia to Alberta. I'm old enough. I remember I had lots of friends who were uh, completing medical school, were nurses, were moving to the United States, to Texas, to North Carolina, to Hawaii, all of these different places. And that seemed to have subsided over the years. Are you seeing that again? Are these vacancies coming from people retiring? How, how is that manifesting itself? I, I think that we've seen shifting of staff between sites and between community. When I've talked recently with the college because obviously they track how many people are registered. They haven't seen a tremendous difference in people leaving the province. 
Um, and in fact, I have to clarify that actually health transformation is happening in all of the other provinces. I talk to people, leaders across Canada, and everyone is is making changes within their health systems continually. So, so this is we've gone through the big change, and now it's about a stabilization. We're there to support our staff. Our managers are there at the front line, supporting our staff, building our teams back up. And uh, and and it will take some time. I'm not saying it'll be fixed in a month, but I believe that we're on the path to recovery and, and stabilization. And uh, I want to thank the staff because it's because of them we've been able to make these changes. And it's because of them that we are able to see some of the successes that we have uh, through the Kai High reporting. We will have more on this report throughout the, throughout the day here on 680 CJOB and on Global Winnipeg. Krista Williams, Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Health Operations Officer with the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was never going to see my family again. That's Randy Chase, the 26-year-old Tyndall Market Liquor Mart employee who was violently attacked last week in the video captured on security camera that we all saw. She spoke yesterday at the head office of the MGEU, the union representing Liquor Mart employees. More from her in a moment. First, an update on that Tyndall Park Liquor Mart, which has reopened with a secure entrance following that assault. Global's Eric Pendera has details. Just a week after this brazen robbery and unprovoked assault, Tyndall Market's liquor store reopened Wednesday. But now, every customer going in to buy beer, wine or liquor has their ID scanned by a guard behind glass before the inside door is unlocked. It took me just a few moments. ID? Some customers agree with the new security measures. Pretty good. It's fast and it was needed. Very good. Yeah. Oh yeah, safer for everybody. Customer Daryl Barton thinks it will help combat thefts. It's going to put a pretty good damper on it. I think they're, they might still be trying, but it'll, it'll put a good damper on it. Liquor and Lottery says although the Tyndall Park store is the first with mandatory ID checks, it won't be the last. Every single liquor store citywide will eventually have new entrances built over the coming weeks and months. Barton thinks that's a positive. You know, up to this point, my wife was scared to go into the stores. She was scared to go into some of them. She didn't want to. Um, she has actually had uh, gone with other groups of people just in case. Manitoba Liquor and Lottery says it will not provide more detail about the new secure entry program or what happens if a person doesn't have photo ID. The Crown Corporation did not respond to Global's multiple requests for an interview. Eric Pindera, Global News. Now, if you want to see the entrance, you can go to cjob.com or we've posted the video to the 680 CJOB Instagram story. We would invite you to follow us there as well as on Twitter at 680 CJOB or give us a like on Facebook. But you walk in and there is a booth in front of you with someone sitting behind glass and you hand them your ID and they scan it. And then at that point, that's when they open a sliding door to your right. So you can't get into this door. And then as you exit, there's another sliding door that you have to go through. So uh, the idea is that if you don't have ID, you're not getting in. Yeah, it's much like a ticket booth that you might see at a movie theater. Uh, think about uh, Seinfeld with the, with the plexiglass and the little speaker microphone situation where person behind the glass has a microphone, says, yeah, show me your ID, and uh, then you're good to go. This is something a lot of our listeners were saying a year ago. Hey, why don't we try something like this? This is a hybrid, I would say, Brett, of about four really good ideas we had from listeners uh, just over a year ago. And Tyndall Market is the first one to get it, but all of the liquor marts will have these entrances eventually. Now, as for Randy Chase, the employee who was attacked, she spoke at length to the media yesterday with the MGEU, first offering a statement. The incident Wednesday was traumatic to say the least. And I'm afraid it will have a permanent negative impact on my life. Unfortunately, I'm not the only Randy Chase out there. I am not the only employee that has endured this fear. I cannot speak for other people. Everyone experiences these incidents differently. But for me personally, I know I will never, never be the same. I am afraid I will never be the same because of what happened Wednesday, and I know I'm not alone. I'm not here to blame the corporation or shine a negative light upon them. I am ultimately here to be a voice for the many individuals 
who have also experienced these traumatic events. I know I am only one employee in one of the many liquor marts in the city, in a province with thousands of workplaces, but I'm going to try to do my best to advocate for the others. One point I would like to address is my comment about being afraid to protect myself. The robbery in itself was one thing. What I want to address is the response. I quickly realized I did not have the tools to effectively handle and safely de-escalate a situation similar to last Wednesday. She also went on to detail her injuries. Lots of bruising and swelling and uh, my eardrum was ruptured um, and the concussion. Uh, yeah, I was unconscious as seizures and stuff. And we got a message here on Instagram and this message comes from, oh, I just lost it here. Uh, comes from Cboss143, who says, Hello, has Manitoba Liquor Commission said how they will protect customers now? Having the new security measures in place is great, but what is stopping the criminals from jumping honest customers leaving the liquor stores? And that's a sentiment that has been sent to us many times. Well, what's going to stop them from jumping people in the parking lots? I guess you can't predict if that's going to happen, but these Criminals typically walk in with bags and are walking in with lots of bottles. They might not jump you for a bottle. One-off doesn't seem to be their M.O., but it's a concern that I've had from the get-go with regard to some of these proposed changes and now the implementation of these. I'm going to guess that MLCC and BLL have thought about this as a potential ramification of this. So hopefully they're, they're thinking and uh, have plans, plans for that as well. But if they weren't doing anything to change this, Brett, we'd be criticizing them as well. So uh, I, I think a tip of the hat here is due that they are taking bold action to make sure that this does not continue. We did have one question, and I will endeavor to answer it. Are kids going to be allowed into liquor stores? Because uh, some of the inferences that people are getting is that kids are not going to be allowed in the store, uh, regardless of whether they're with a parent or not. Oh, that's a great question. I never even thought about that. Question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Looking at the results from yesterday afternoon, Winnipeg's 2019 food delivery cravings have just been released. How many times do you usually use skip the dishes? 91% say never. 5% say a few times per month. 3% say other. And 2% say once a day. Once a day. Who, how many people said that? 2%. So I don't know the number. So then if we get rid of the 91% that say never, 2% of the quarter of the people that use skip the dishes are using it once a day, yeah. according to that survey. I got a friend in construction. He's been doing a lot of work at the U of M and he says at lunchtime, it's just skip the dishes, trucks one after another. No and way. They've all got like an individual bag of McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> together guys well you might want to use skip the dishes because you're not going to have time to cook if you watch this movie sooner or later get the gun out of his hand everybody put here as a date when he's going to go you want to be a part of this fight would you like to be a part of this history yes I would whatever you need me to do I'm available Jeff Braun, co-host of The Couch Potatoes. What is that? That is Martin Scorsese's new gangster movie, The Irishman, available now on Netflix. And you watched it yesterday, all oh, three and a half hours. Yeah, and it only took me four hours to watch it, which is a miracle. And that included a phone call with my parents, so I was mighty impressed by how undistracted I was watching it. And the good thing about Netflix, of course, is I got to watch it with the uh, subtitles on. Oh, okay. Which helps for these complicated gangster movies because... Why? Why what? Why does it help? Educate me. So I can read what they're saying so I don't have to strain my ears to try and hear what they're saying. And, okay. And you can follow the plot points a lot easier. When, especially because they got their weird slang, right? Sure. Their gangster slang and everybody's got a nickname and stuff like that. So. Hey, man, I, I've Just, never done that. So oh, thank yeah. you for the tip. I'm going to try that henceforth, at well, least once anyway. And plus, too, with all their ga- yeah, their gangster accents and what have you, sometimes yeah. it, can be, it can be hard. We're, ju- we're also getting old there, Greg. So, yeah. yeah. Mm, fair enough. And frankly, these uh, actors are getting old, too, and there's a little bit more mumbling in their performance than they used to be. So, um, of course, one of the 
two headlines about this movie. One is that it's three and a half hours long. Didn't bother me at all. I enjoyed every moment of it. I, there was nothing glaring in it that I thought, wow, they really should have just like excised that whole chunk. I thought it all worked well. It all seemed to pertain to the story. Maybe on rewatch, I'll notice some stuff that they could have edited out. But I thought three and a half hours worked just fine for this movie. And the other thing, of course, was the digital de-aging. A movie, I can't, don't have the numbers, but it cost a fortune to make it because it's set over like a lot of gangster movies over decades and so they had to start with De Niro, who's in his late 70s. They had to put him, they didn't say exactly how old he was. I guess him was trying to be late 40s or early 50s or something like that. So they do that digital de-aging thing to him, to Joe Pesci who's in it, to Al Pacino who's in it. And it, sort, it works, it worked really well for uh, Pesci and Pacino, but they play older guys all the way throughout. Really trying to get a young De Niro. It, his face looks very smooth and youngish, but it did not look like De Niro looked when he was whatever age that was supposed to be. And then, so, but it was, still worked enough in the face. It was a young guy, just not the guy we used to seeing. His eyes were like super blue too when he yeah. was younger. I didn't like that. And then his, but his, he still moved around like an older person. He didn't move around like a younger person. And I read that they had uh, like a, a movement coach that they hired to help all these guys try and remember what it was like to have a younger body that could move a bit more uh, nimbly. But uh, I think they sort of struggled in that area. The good news is that's only at the beginning of the movie. After an hour, De Niro's, the range he can play, catches up with the age of the character. And from then on out, it was just beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I I turned it on and I watched, like I said, I, I got through, I think, half an hour, but it took me an hour of course, so at that, the half hour. at that pace it would have taken <laughs> me a seven hour day to make it through a three and a half hour movie and I did notice that there was one scene where De Niro lays the boots to one guy and I, I think it was supposed to look like violent and vicious but it just kind of looked sad <laughs> and you were like, I could survive that kicking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it didn't look that ferocious at all, bad, bad wrestling move basically, pretty much Yeah. so uh, yeah, so it sort of makes you wonder, like it's a, it's a new tool that they have in the movie making kit but to some degree, it's like, why not just hire some other actor to play the younger version of him for the first opening stance of the movie? I think we've gotten used to that idea and that sure. notion that it's going to be somebody different. So it's good enough that you've already committed to rewatching it. I'll rewatch it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's on Netflix. It's just going to be sitting there the whole time. I'll definitely rewatch it. I'll probably rewatch it again before New Year's. And this is uh, it's the bio- biographical crime thriller. It follows Frank Sheeran, played by De Niro, as he recalls his past years working for the Buffalino crime family. Now older, this World War II veteran once again reflects on his most prolific hits and in particular considers his involvement with his good friend Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance in 1975. And Al Pacino as uh, Jimmy Hoffa is just fantastic. Really? I could see him winning an Oscar out of this. Oh my God. Yeah. He likes to chew the scenery and he does it here in in the fun Pacino way that we like, but it's also not too much and it doesn't overtake the movie and it's not as silly as he has been in a lot of other movies. And looking at the co-stars, Jesse Plemons, who was <laughs> in Breaking Bad and uh, the the recent Breaking Bad film, Bobby Carnavale, or Cannavale, who's in everything. That's the weird one because he plays a guy that's older than De Niro from the jump. Yeah. So, and it's sort of, but he gets to sort of play his own age while they age De Niro down, but then later on when De Niro's normal, they got to age up. Bobby Cannavale, and it's just it's just like, why, why is this guy who's 30 years younger than De Niro supposed to be older than him the whole time? And Winnipeg-born Anna Paquin is yep. in this movie as well. Very important small role. So we'll have a full review on The Couch Potatoes this weekend. The podcast will actually be available later today, and the show will air on Saturday at noon and Sunday at 6. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. You betcha. Hey, we want to revisit one of the things we were talking about earlier at 8.07. We expanded on the changes that have occurred at the Tyndall Market Liquor Mart. They are the first store to add these security entrance, or this security entrance. All of the stores are going to get them, and this happened in the wake of the attack where an employee, Randy Chase, who also spoke yesterday at an MGEU news conference, and uh, they've now added these entrances. The, the, the plans were already in the works for this, but the attack expedited the announcement and helped. Uh, they closed the liquor store indefinitely until they got the entrance up and running. And now when you walk in, there is a booth. 
like Greg mentioned, it's like a like a movie theater booth, like a wicket where there's someone behind glass and you have to slide your ID underneath and talk to them through this speaker. And then when they scan your ID, then you're good to go. They let you into the locked sliding door to your right, which lets you in. And then there's another sliding door as you exit on the other side. It'll be interesting to go and try this out and, and figure out calculate how long it actually takes to do that. Is this going to, like I'm imagining December 23rd and 24th, notoriously the busiest days of the year at liquor stores, where you have lineups uh, all the way through the store to pay for your stuff. Are we going to have lineups on the outside of the stores to get in? It's possible. Like a nightclub idea where you have to wait. A lot of us have been calling for this type of ID system, Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to work. It's going to limit... A lot of people getting in that shouldn't be in the store in the first place, but is it going to cause what level of inconvenience, I guess, is the question. Are we prepared to accept in exchange for greater security and safety? Well, Global's Eric Pandera said it took mere seconds for him to get in. And in the event that if there is a backlog, maybe that will just help with the backlog you'll face inside the store, right? I mean, obviously... Space it out a little bit? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd rather be inside on December 23rd or 24th. You don't want to be standing in line. Uh, And like, I remember standing in line when I was 18, 19 for a nightclub and I left my parka in the car because we knew the coat check would be full. But that's because I was 18 or 19 and I was young and stupid. And I I was okay. You were cool too. Don't forget that part. Figuratively and literally cool (laughs) and shivering as I stood there in minus 30 in just a short sleeve shirt but maybe the, like when you get into i still remember going to the liquor mart i was working at saint vitale shopping center at the time at a store called coliseum and i went across the street to to get some booze and i think it was after my shift was done on the saturday because i was heading to a party that night with some of my coworkers, and they had, I think, at least five tills open, maybe six, and every single one of them, the lineup was to the back of the store. And that's a big store, that one in Dakota. It is. It's a big store, so probably at least 25 to 30 people in every single line. And I went to the Liquor Mart on Portage, just west of Arlington, on New Year's Eve, back when we still were at 930 Portage. So we're going back probably 10 years now. And it was the same thing. And the lineup, and that store isn't as big, so the lines not only went to the back of the store, but then they all were sort of snaked along the back wall. Inside one another almost. Yeah, it was insane. And that's that. That's the, whenever I we talk about customer service and being nice to people, that's the incident, well, the incident, the moment where the clerk looked so dejected because it was so busy, and I just said to him, do I dare ask you, how are you doing? Mm. And big smile on his face, it changed his whole day. Anyway, that's another conversation. Getting getting sidetracked here. We got lots of feedback at 204-780-6868. Here's one take on it, and this is one that some have mentioned, but uh, it slipped my mind a little bit. So it's illegal to bring kids into the LC. We've qualified that, by the way, and and that's uh, the way the law is being interpreted and we believe will be enforced uh, henceforth. And it's illegal to leave kids in the car. This is great news for single parents. Mm, A little bit of a quandary there, right? That is interesting, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what to think of that. Another text says, I think it should be privatized. At the extreme, go back to the consumer's distributing style of pick, purchase, and pay. I'm not entirely against that in the context of, like, let's say you go to a beer vendor. There are a lot of beer vendors where that's what it is. You walk in, there's a counter, you tell them what you want, but I think in typically in those kind of vendors, they have, they don't have a ton of variety. Right. It's kind of a, you know, give me a 12, a bud or whatever, like like the basics. But if you go to the liquor store, sometimes you want to browse and it, it would be impossible to browse with the consumer's distributing style. Yes. Uh, although we have discussed uh, a modified version of that, where you would have liquor bottles that did not contain liquor. You set up a retail store that's almost like a false front to a certain extent where you don't need to stock your your product on the floor. You have you display the product in a in a reasonable and and maybe a provocative fashion in order to get people looking and invite them down the aisles and to take a look and to investigate the labels, just as you would now, but as opposed to having, say, a dozen of that type of alcohol stocked right on the shelf, maybe you have zero. And just like at Blockbuster Video or Bill's Video back in the day, the movies were stored behind the counter. 
Yeah. You took the cover and you went and you said, yeah, I'd like to rent Top Gun. Top Gun was behind the counter. They opened the package. They slipped your Top Gun DVD or VHS tape yep. into the package and away you went. So there are some other ideas I think that could be explored here in terms of, of not taking away that opportunity to shop versus uh, just a warehouse model, some sort of hybrid, I think is something that might be uh, something to look at down the road. A uh, text here from somebody who has been involved in not one but two robberies. Yeah, you know what, Brett? Uh, typically, I have no problem reading the, the text messages, but this one's extensive, and you are you do such a great job at reading this. I Would you do, do us the honor? I will make an attempt. Working at a bank, I was in two robberies, Amazing how fast the police swarm the bank in minutes. First one, I followed the bank's procedures, give them the money, but it bugged me emotionally and mentally for at least six months. The second robbery, I did not want to suffer the same emotional damage, and that time I chased him down, grabbed him, and brought him back to the bank after a block-long chase. Oddly, no police swarmed the place. After 15 minutes, someone asked, Did anyone call the police? No one had. They were all watching me, and everyone didn't think to push the alarm. Finally, someone did. Because of my actions, I almost got fired. But the bank understands the damage robberies have done employees, and there is always ongoing training to management about the effects of the on the employee. The bank has more control over this problem than liquor stores. Why don't police swarm those stores like banks? And this person, Initial B, says, By the way, that's a very brave woman. Randy Chase to come out and talk openly about the liquor store robbery on the news. Very, very brave. Yeah, I think that's a, an outstanding point. And thank you for sharing that story with us. I can not imagine having ever been in that situation uh, myself to have to live through that and to carry it with you. I know a few people who have been involved in very serious incidents uh, where guns have been involved and it does it, it does weigh you down you carry it with you for a lifetime potentially and I think the biggest issue is the safety not only of customers but of the employees uh, I can't imagine what they're carrying every single day as they're watching this lawlessness take place in front of them it's got to be awfully frustrating yeah, so you can continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. You can read more at cjob.com. We've also linked our story to our Instagram story, at 680CJOB. Would love for you to follow us there. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.